goes. Cool, cool. All right. Oh, wow. Looks great. So, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna shift it over to you. And then just so this thing pops up here. So guys, this is a little rough right here, but this is my first live stream. So I hope everything goes well here, but um, let's see. Um, if you guys are in the live stream now, please comment below where you are from, what market you're in. Um, and I'd be very appreciative of that while we're getting everything going here. Trust me, all these new podcasts starting from now are actually gonna be live. So please comment below where you guys are from. I'll be looking at that periodically, but I gotta talk to the man of the hour here. So we are live guys. So welcome to the Baxter Riches podcast. I'm Zach Ginn, your host. I quitted my minimum wage bag boy job to pursue the riches of real estate investing at the age of 17 and never looked back. I'm here to educate and inform entrepreneurs, young and old, how to become complete real estate investors by talking to the best and most influential minds of real estate. I'm joined by our guest today, Connor Steinbrook. Connor is a real estate investor, agent, mentor, YouTuber, and host of the Investor Army podcast. He went from over $70,000 in debt into creating a multi-million dollar real estate company within a few years, and now is on a mission to create 1,000 people over the next three years that have financial freedom. Thanks for coming on today, Connor. Hey man, appreciate it. Let's dig in, let's, right. let's dig in, how can I help? All right, sweet. So um, I know you have a time crunch, you need to go somewhere in, within an hour, so I'm gonna make this as straight to the point, I'm gonna get right into the meat and potatoes here, but to start everything out, this is the Bags Riches podcast. So please tell me how you started, you know, with tens of thousands of debt into a multi-millionaire in real estate. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people uh, watching this, uh, a lot of them are going to resonate. A lot of people like to have or hear the uh, kind of fall from grace, uh, rise out of ashes like a phoenix type of story. So I had a unique background when I was probably your age. I don't know how old you are. You're a little bit younger than me. So I'm 30. I'm 20. Yeah. So about your age, uh, I was off at, in college. I put $20 in a poker site for fun. The online poker boom happened during my age, um, during that time period when I was off at college. It was a big deal for uh, young men like yourself during that time period. My hobby became a profession. I ran $20 into a small fortune. I did that professionally for about eight years. Uh, I did get a business marketing degree. I went to the University of Oklahoma, but while I was there, I said getting a marketing degree in business, I got a professional poker playing business uh, degree, I guess you could say. So I did very well in that. But the problem with that was that on April 15, 2011, uh, they call it Black Friday. Just like that overnight, the United States Department of Justice uh, seized the two biggest poker sites, Full Tilt Poker and Poker Stars were shut down. And overnight, I lost everything. So I was uh, too young and too naive to not know that good things do not last forever. And so I spent the money as fast as I made it. And uh, overnight, just literally everything disappeared. So at that moment, I said, I will never have one income stream again, which a lot of people are learning that lesson right now uh, with one income stream around the country with how uh, all this crazy virus stuff is affecting things now. So I said, I never have one income stream again. And I want to work for something that works for me. So I had some individuals I played poker with that were some high stakes or that were some played high stakes, but they were also successful business owners and they all owned commercial units, storage units, mobile home parks, things like this, which is why they had the time to go spend money playing poker at a high level and the money to do it. So uh, one of them pressed upon me, power of residual income. So if you don't work for something that works for you while you work for something else, you're gonna die working. So I went off in the crazy pursuit of self-development and uh, down the path of how to become a real estate investor. Did this cliche thing, red rich dad, poor dad. Think of a rich, just like a lot of people do, that kind of get down that path of trying to change their life on an independent, on an independent entrepreneur level. And I jumped into real estate and I uh, put money into a training company, not to name their name, a big name out there. Guys, be careful with these big $50,000, $30,000 coaching courses. It was pretty much a scam. I mean, they gave me information, but it wasn't anything I couldn't find for free. Failed miserably. Did everything they said. It was doing direct mail, bandit signs, outdoor print advertising. Before I knew it, six months later, I was uh, $60,000, $70,000 in debt. Actually, ended up working minimum wage, part-time jobs, sweeping floors at a Academy Sports and Outdoors just to kind of cover my bills, just to fight off bankruptcy and fight having to go through this. Now, along the way, Google had just acquired YouTube, so I knew uh, that YouTube was going to be very powerful. And I was on the internet watching YouTube videos on how to build uh, WordPress websites, how to build lead generation websites, and I taught myself internet marketing and how to build uh, websites and YouTube channels. And I was linking private YouTube channels behind the scenes to my websites. And I ended up building the number one ranking websites for a long time for a lot of big keywords in my market in Dallas-Fort Worth. And I built a business through internet strategies, Craigslist, 
social media um, optimization, SEO optimization websites. I went on to build a pretty decent sized wholesaling business out of Dallas, uh, transitioned into flipping houses, uh, all on the path to get to residual and cash, uh, cash flow and residual income. And so I started, finally became financeable, started learning on the way to how to pick up houses with creative financing, direct to the owner, buying houses on owner financing. I started keeping houses, I built a portfolio, uh, realized it was cash flow. It wasn't as much uh, as residual passive as I wanted. So I started transitioning a lot of properties into notes. I started creating owner finance notes, selling notes. And then along the way, um, I built Investor Army. I, st I started that in 2017. I just said, what if I start giving out everything for free that other, people's char other people charge for? And I built one of the fastest growing YouTube channels in, in the country and for real estate investing. And then along the way, because of that, uh, I joined a, a brokerage on my agent side of the business called EXP Realty. And I built a real estate team now uh, spanning 28 states and three countries, uh, growing by about an agent a day. And so it all kind of uh, transitioned that way. But uh, social media had a big impact on how I built all this. <clears throat> but um, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. I was in a career that disappeared on me overnight. I tried to find a different way to, to, to protect myself. And along the way, I learned the power of multiple streams of income. Now off this uh, YouTube channel, I built many other income streams. And that is how we got connected. And you found me on social media. So you can see it's powerful. Can you hear me? Crap. All right. We're still there. <laughs> Throws up there for a second. All right, hold on. We're having technical difficulties really quick. Let me do one thing here. Can you hear me? I can hear you, yep. Yeah, all right. Pop up one thing here. Okay. All right, how's it going now? Yeah, I can hear you. We're good? Yeah, sorry about that. I was getting some crazy <laughs> feedback loop going, but uh, yeah, this is, this is great. So, wow, that was a lot going there. So, um, Great. Yeah. So we're getting. Did I get it? Or do we need to do it again? <laughs> Alrighty. Let me just take these off here. Man, I knew something bad was going to happen here. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to the, the joy of live production. <laughs> Always something. All right, is that better? Yeah, I can I, I can still hear you. I'm not hearing any interference on our side. Yeah, so I, let me give this one more minute. This thing this thing's not working. I'm just gonna cut this off. Always something. <laughs> pop this up here but um yeah i mean who are your mentors starting out in real estate investing well you know so you gotta look at your mentorship as you know local individuals that you have that you can talk to that are actual people that you have a relationship with and then you always have the online mentors and the mentors you have through books and uh pre pre-written text that's been out there for years so you know i followed a lot of internet uh mentors i guess like uh you know, Jim Rohn, um, Bob Proctor, Les Brown, uh, Max Maxwell, or no, John Maxwell. <laughs> Max came up to my mind. Um, you know, he's an online mentor as well for people. Um, just like a lot of different individuals, uh, you know, down the traditional path of Napoleon Hill, a lot of those books I read early on. And then uh, I had local mentors in my market. So kind of the way you know, guys, you got to realize you're not going to get something because all the time I'll, I'll have people reach out to me that want to meet me for coffee and uh, see if I can help them. It's going to take a lot of close one-on-one -on -one, uh, involvement with someone where you're going to learn enough from them that you're, it's actually going to be worth it for you or them. So you're going to have to work for someone for free or intern with them or kind of uh, pay your dues. And so basically I've reached out to a top guy in my market, kind of cold called him a couple of times is like, hey, look, you know, I want to be like you. And so he kind of tested me and basically asked me to come out uh, to his market, which is like two hours from me at like six in the morning on my birthday. He didn't know it was my birthday, but I had to get up at like 3 a.m. It was snowing and sleeting. I drove all the way out there and uh, I sat with him. And I told him what I want to do. And he realized I was serious because later he found out like if I'm willing to do that on my birthday, you know, I'm pretty serious. And so I was able to fortunate enough to find a, a high level entrepreneur in my market that um, had had a successful mentor himself that was willing to pay it forward shadowed him for a while, worked with him, still do things with him today. 
and um, you know, one of them, uh, his name is Tim Cook in my market. Um, so people know Tim. So I had other uh, mentors in my market on and off that I just did things with, but um, no real big names, I guess you'd say. Most of the big per high performance individuals in your market kind of run, fall uh, off the grid. They're kind of under the radar. You're not going to see them out there often, uh, but they're actually the ones that are really doing it. Sometimes the people barking the loudest are not doing as much as you think they'd be doing. Um, but like if you're finding people when you, so like what I would do is I'd start, when I start wholesaling houses, I'll, my main goal is to build residual income and equity, you know, build wealth. And you can make a great income wholesaling. You can't really create wealth doing it though, because uh, active income. And so, but as I was doing that, I was selling properties to individuals in my market. Um, this is how I met some of my first mentors as cash buyers. And I saw that they were doing certain things that I wanted to do. And that's kind of how I got a foot in the door uh, with them. You know, sell them a good deal, learn from them, say, hey, can I come out to the rehab and watch what you do? Can you help me a little bit? especially when you're a young guy like you or some of your audience probably is younger. Um, a lot of these older generations, they want to help. But if you're just going to take, 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 and take, they're not going to help you. So you're going to have to kind of figure out how you can add value first. Otherwise, you're never going to get into their good graces and they're not going to help you. Definitely. I mean, with these big, uh, <laughs> these big mentors, it's always a good boy club. But um, I actually had a, another killer in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, Mike Hambright. He was on last, last week. And uh, he, he did the same thing. He was actually, he just helped people. He went on actual rehab, I think called Rehab Live, something like that. Um, that's how he helped his students get started. But uh, yeah, so the next question I really have is, this is going to be a very controversial one. Uh, I think it's pretty funny here, but um, obviously you are a very successful real estate broker. I know some of the investors don't want to hear that, but what is the main differences for you? And what's your favorite, being a real estate agent or being a real estate investor? Well, first off, shout out, shout out to Mike. I just had a meeting with Mike just a couple weeks ago at his office. Um, so Mike's a good guy. Uh, and then kind of before we dig into this question, um, I'm, not a bro I'm not a licensed broker. I'm an agent. I'm oh, a okay. Yeah, so I'm a team leader. Um, okay. and here, here's my take on this. How so much you know about real estate agents? <laughs> <laughs> Look, when I, so before I, I'm going to give you a really good breakdown here because I think a lot of investors don't understand this and a lot of them may want to work with us after I break this down because when I got into real estate, you got to realize there's two different sides, traditional or non-traditional. And whichever direction you kind of transition to when you do start in real estate, there's kind of a click. You know, agents and investors don't really like each other. They're kind of like cats and dogs. And they're going to have the same mentality that kind of group think around each other. So you're going to hear investors say you don't want to be a licensed agent because it creates more liability and you can't make money with sales because, oh, well, you know, we, we build income through residual income and ownership of real estate. And then the agents are going to say, well, I don't want to work investors. And so they're fighting over the same inventory in the marketplace, or they don't want to be an investor. A lot of agents are not investors because they don't like taking risk. Um, so, but they're all taking the same inventory out of the same marketplace. So they kind of have attention. Now, when I got into real estate, I was an investor first for about four years, maybe a little bit over four years before I ever got my license. And I didn't think I needed a license because I was always down that traditional path of I'm an investor, I'm not an agent, I don't need a license. In fact, I had videos at one point where I say, I'm an investor, not an agent, because I actually like to make money. That's how on that side, I know that's how on that side of I was just an investor. But later what I realized was I'm throwing a ton of money uh, away. So I actually have a video on my channel, seven reasons why investors need to be an agent. There's a lot of reasons why you need to do both sides. So to be a real real estate entrepreneur, I believe now that I've changed my stance on this, you need to be both an agent and an investor to capitalize on all opportunities. For example, how many of you guys are going to get a call with your uh, inbound marketing that you're spending a lot of money on as an investor? That individual wants 400K for their 400K house. Now, you could take that property over, but it's not going to cash flow if you took it sub two or whatever. But as an agent, you could sell it as a 12K commission. Now, also, when you buy a house, what happens to the house, uh, the owner that's living in that house, if they stay locally in that same market, upgrading or downsizing, that's a commission you're leaving on the table, plus access to MLS. So there's a lot of different reasons why you'd want to have your license. Now, on the second side, um, you know, one of the best ways to create wealth is to leverage yourself outside yourself from personal success to real success. And building a real estate team is one of the best ways to build an extra income stream because you're already doing what you're doing in the marketplace. And so I built this team up. Uh, you know, we're closing in on 400 agents fairly quickly. And that revenue share model that EXP really gives us. Uh, last year paid me over six figures on uh, my second year in company. So it's a very powerful way to build um, an extra income stream alongside what you're already doing. So I think you need to be on both sides of the business. Uh, when the market's bombing, being an investor is great. 
when the market's super hot, being a sales agent is great, but you're missing opportunities. And every single one of you that's an investor, you know what, knows what it's like when someone says, well, can you list my house or can I sell my house or can you sell it for me? And you can't, and you don't have time to rush out and get your license. So you don't have to be an active agent as far as going out and doing sales. But I like to tell people you should have a club to hit the shot when it's ready. So if you have a license and you have knocked it out and then you come across one of these opportunities throughout the year, which could be a 12K commission, it could be your mother's house, it could be your brother's house, you could just be buying your own house to move into. And every now and then you're going to buy a house off the MLS that you're going to close on. And as this market turns, as we see um, foreclosures pick up, you're going to see a lot more properties pop on the MLS like you did after the last crash or in the last crash. And you can save a commission. You know, so there's just lots of different ways that I look at this. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of why I think they sh- you guys should be doing both sides of the business. Now, I do run this national team. So you guys, if you do want to work with me, I can train you. I train our agents on social media marketing, on how to be investors, on how to understand how to build a business from the foundation up on self-development from self-esteem building techniques, time management, emotion management, things like that. But that's kind of how I transitioned to as investor first, agent second. But now my belief is it's important to do both. And I don't really do. And for you guys that are investors, I don't run sales through my license for the most part. I build a team to build a business around it. And I train those agents and I pass leads that I get to agents in my organization. So I'm not out there just doing showing buyers around a car, which is why I think a lot of investors also don't want to do sales. But then on the agent, then on the agent side, if you guys are just agents and you're becoming investors, you have to be an investor too, because you can, you can make a great income with a pen. Like you can use this pen to create an income, but you're never going to create wealth with a pen writing contracts. You have to own real estate. You have to build residual income. So it, it goes hand in hand and both sides need to stop defending, Hey, I'm this or I'm that come together and realize it's best to be both. I think agents and investors can uh, come together on one common thing, and that's attorneys are terrible at anything real estate. Um, I had an attorney once where I, I got the contract. I was going to make about 30K on the wholesale, and it was an older dude. He's like, hey, can I have my attorney read it over? He reads it over. You know, I, I use a, a, the Florida bar one, and he's like, the, the attorney comes back and says, you know what? For that price, you're going to sell it so low. I'll buy it. And he physically tried to buy it, and um, – we went at it. I had to overpay for it, but we still made money on it. But the attorneys drive me crazy. <laughs> um, but definitely, but if you're in Illinois, you need to get your license, even if you want to be an investor. Right. So that's where that mashing of those two really comes together here. Yeah, and you may want to have a reach out to Jeff Watson. Um, he's an attorney at Ohio. He's been talking about this. A lot of people have been talking about the whole thing. Laws are going to change for a while. And um, I mean, as soon as, you know, guys, I mean, I did a lot of wholesaling back in 2014, 15, like I did real well with it, but the faster you can get to acquisition, to be an acquisition company, the better. You need to own real estate. That's where wealth is created. You know, you need to stop thinking like, I mean, there's so many houses that I bought or that wholesale where I get the house for like 50, 60, I wholesale for a quick 10, 15, yet the person that bought it from me uh, put $30,000 into it. It's now worth 125, and now Five years later, those houses are worth two hundred plus thousand dollars, creating four or five hundred dollars month cash flow uh, at the point where they leverage into it with their debt service. So, you know, wholesaling is a great way to wholesale off certain properties in your business that are not worth keeping or that don't meet what you're trying to do with your acquisition side, but also get into the business. But as soon as you guys can, you need to start thinking: flip a house, keep a house, being or wholesale if you keep a house. How do you keep houses? The biggest regret most people have is. I didn't keep more properties because five years down the road, you're going to have that same feeling. So start thinking now how to transition some of that money that you're making now into assets that you can keep. Um, it's kind of where they, these young investors need to start thinking day one. Definitely. So uh, before we get into, you know, the, the hottest topic right now, which is the coronavirus, I just had a quick question. So obviously you're making a lot of money in real estate. You're doing very well. You could obviously just sit on the sidelines, be, you know, very quiet and just make your money. Um, what side, when did you decide to create Investor Army and create a YouTube and start coaching, helping other people and be in the quote unquote spotlight in the REI uh, world? Well, I mean, <clears throat> so attention brings business to you. You have to have attention, otherwise you have no business. And we're going towards the world of personal branding right now. And so originally what I wanted to do was I thought I wanted to go down the consulting arena and like do 
you know, high end coaching and things like that. Like I wanted to build a value ladder, you know, give out free stuff and then go into monthly subscription membership sites and home study courses all the way up to high end coaching. And I'm always a big believer in multiple streams of income. I really believe that everybody should have three separate income streams that cover their mortgage or their rent or, or their uh, basic bills. And the reason why is because I learned the harsh lesson in my life that when I did have that fallout before with my old career, I had no multiple streams of income. I didn't have any equity in anything and I had no residual income component and I had no duplication to my business model. So I didn't have other people working with me. So everything was re relying on me to create the income through active income. And when that disappeared, everything disappeared. So you guys don't know you need multiple streams of income, but two is not good enough because if you lose one, you're back to one, you're back in the same spot. So three is where I think people need as a base. Five is really going to protect you. Um, so I saw building the brand as a ability to attract attention. Attention allows you to build businesses around it. So that's the top of a funnel. I thought I was going to do high-end consulting. I did that for a little bit. And then I, I just, I truly believe because I got ripped off so bad. I was like, I'm going to change. Uh, I'm going to run a real business. I'm going to teach people how to do this. But I'd start taking on one-on-one -on -one coaching students. And it's just, I stopped doing it pretty quickly because I was like, yeah, I can make a lot of money doing this, but you can't teach self-responsibility, personal initiative, or people to care about their business. And I signed up people quickly and I quickly realized I can't teach work, work ethic to these people. And so yeah. I, felt, I, felt like, <laughs> I felt like I was taking money from people that were not going to get the, the the bang for their dollar. And I didn't like that, which is kind of, I was reinforcing what happened to me in my career or when I started. And I was like, this is, I thought that I could take what I learned and help anybody duplicate it, but you just can't. So I realized quickly that it was too much risk for people and as well as it wasn't something I want to do. Then I started creating little home study courses and little membership sites and things like that um, along the way. But there's many different income streams we have off the channel, bringing deal flow in affiliate sales, um, just the residuals from AdSense, you know, lots of different extra income streams. Um, so also just the ability to build credibility in the marketplace. When you go buy a house from someone, like say you and I go out there to the same property and we get the exact same offer, same pitch, and you leave it and they go look for you on the internet and they can't find you. And then they go find me. I'm all over the internet. I have all sorts of testimonials, all sorts of videos. They're going to, the clients are going to work with the person who's most credible in the marketplace as well as everything's just moving towards the internet. Guys, if you're not on, on social media and you're not found right now, you're gonna have a very tough time uh, operating in the business climate in the next few years. Think about what's gonna happen when someone comes home and they say, Siri, find me a real estate investor to buy my house and they don't give your name. I mean, the business climate is gonna change drastically. So you need to start thinking how to get your brand out there immediately and being on video. And video gives the ability to build rapport before you get to the house. So when people call me off a of video, they already know if they're going to work with me or not. When they call you off a postcard, you have to get to the house and build a rapport there when you're at the property. You're trying to figure out, they're trying to figure out if you're the one that they want to trust to work with. So like, I think we tracked it for a while. It's like one in 15 houses we would buy off normal marketing. It was like one out of three if they called us off video because they're not going to call you if they're not already unconsciously decided that they're going to work with you, if that makes sense. So they've already vetted you before you even show up to the property. And then some people just want to, uh, you know, have you come out there just because you're out there visible and they see that as a position of credibility, just like being on stage with a microphone or being on a book cover. You guys got to start thinking how to put yourself here, remove one above your competition on the hierarchy of what the community is going to see, because the more credible you are, the more likely a business is going to be going towards your direction. Definitely. I, I agree hundred percent on that. You know, it, work ethic is such a weird one. We actually sell like a like a little two hundred dollar uh, probate course that we that Rick made a while back. We revamped it, and I get we get emails all the time. We sell a lot of them, and we get people saying this is the worst product ever. I don't make any money on it. It's stupid. And then I just recorded two videos. Two guys like I'm making over a hundred grand just in probates. It's just what's the difference between that? Is it the work ethic? <laughs> is it the content in there? It's it's really, I, mean, I spent the $200, I need to get this done. People who work hard will actually make the money. People who make excuses are going to make the excuses. That has been the number one thing I have seen from this whole guru coaching industry. It's, you, you can't change work ethic. You can change knowledge, but that, that work ethic thing is just, it's just yeah. You know, a lot of people like the idea of being successful, but they don't want to be successful when they realize what it takes to be successful. Um, most people aren't willing to slow down to speak up and get the education, get the skill sets first to go out there and use them. They try something for a week and, or they, you know, they basically try something for a few weeks and it doesn't work and they're not a millionaire overnight. So they quit it. Then they go the next thing they're about to quit that too. 
then they're going to quit the next thing right before they quit the next thing that they're about to quit. They just bounce around with this. They like the excitement that their body and their the emotions feel when they're starting something new that's going to change their life. And then they quickly get into it and they realize, hey, this is going to be work. I don't want to do this. And so they go the next thing. And it's almost like a dopamine release. They they get off on starting new things up, but they never complete anything. So you guys have to finish what you start. You can take, you can be successful at anything you do if you just do that over that one thing over and over and over through repetition. Our brains are uniquely created to figure out things over time and they solve problems and solve puzzles. But if you don't focus on something for long enough through heavy enough uh, concentrated effort, repetition day in, day out, failing and stepping back and assessing and changing, you'll never figure anything out. Most people don't commit to anything longer than 60 to 90 days. And it takes six to 12 to 18 months of pretty serious effort into something just to where you start gaining the skill sets enough to really be successful. So a lot of you guys are probably watching your channel college age. I mean, you guys are going to college for four, five, six years to come out to work for someone else for the rest of your life to trading a thousand to $2,000 a week to be someone else's employee to help their goals and dreams come goals and dreams come true. But when you go into your own business, you're going to try something for 60 days and don't see immediate results. And you're going to give up and say, this doesn't work. So you need to start thinking about how much you're willing to pay, what price you're willing to pay and what sacrifice you're going to make to be successful. Because I promise you, if you put the same energy in for someone else, you'll be financially free in about five, seven years as a lot of people do it. If they do it quick, it's three years. So I see most people, it takes about five, seven years in single family investing to build up a portfolio that they could pretty much step away from if they're doing it correctly. Definitely. I 100% agree with that. I mean, a good point I want to ask you here is how do you separate this hard work thing? Because you can work, like you've said, what you've done, the 14-hour days, the 16-hour days, and you can manually knock on doors for 16 hours, or you can physically do things that are more efficient. I mean, how do you tell the difference between working hard, doing very manual stuff versus working hard, you know, hiring a VA to do something and working hard actually going on appointments? Well, I mean, so you have work and then there's work, you know, so it's the difference of being focused on what you're doing. So you can't be distracted. You can't have your cell phone on. You can't, you need to, so you should be doing power hours or block time where you're only focusing on what you're only focusing on. So a lot of you guys know what it's like to come in and you're grinding because you hear this, you know, Gary Vee, let's go grind 16 hours a day, but you work your 16 hours and at the end of the day, nothing's been accomplished. So the reason why people are not accomplishing things is they're doing what's called a maintenance task or low priority task instead of a high priority task or an income producing activity because those are the ones that take effort and those are the ones that are slow to achieve. And so people create a to-do list of 20 things uh, to do. And the first things they wanna do is make off, knock off the quick phone calls, knock off the quick emails, knock off the quick responses. They wanna do all the things. So let's say you had 20 to-do lists, five of them were really uh, took a lot of focus, a lot of energy, which is also the reason why people stay away from them is because it's the hardest work. And then they start doing from the bottom, the easiest tasks up. They knock off so many throughout the day. And then there's more that fill up on the bottom starting the next day. And so they never get to what's actually growing the business. So they're always just trying to do the easiest task possible. And at the end of 30, 60 days, they've not really accomplished much, but they know they've worked their ass off and they remember working a lot of time and they put the actual time in as far as tracking of time, but the energy or, but the results created from that time are very low compared to what they would have been if they're putting it into the highest income producing activities. So they need to write down and actually put it on pen and paper to see this visually uh, to be able to know what's actually going to add value and don't just wing it. If you just wake up today and say, hello world, what am I gonna do today in my business? I'm gonna react all day. This is the big problem they have is they're reactionary. They, they just wake up, they wait for a phone call to come in, they answer it. They wait for an email to come in, they answer it. They wait for this to come in, answer it. They're reacting to things all day long. You should, everything should be reacting around you. So you're never gonna get a billionaire to just pick up a phone call right? Even very rarely a very successful multimillionaire, you have to reach out to them usually a couple of times. You have to go through their assistant. They're scheduling their day and you're reacting around them. So the more you're reacting around other people contacting you, like a phone call come in, comes in, you don't need to pick it up. It's not rude to not pick up. It's rude to not call back. You know, so you got to start thinking how to control your day and how to focus on real income producing activities. Um, otherwise, you're going to spin your wheels and you're going to work a lot, but you're not going to feel like you're accomplishing anything. Definitely. Uh, to piggyback on that, we have this crazy coronavirus time. So I have a lot more time to do podcasts, things like this. So um, people are getting lazy. I'm, I'm going to be honest. People are getting very lazy with their schedules. How do you keep yourself focused on the schedule and making sure you're working, not sitting on the couch and just watching TV all day? 
Well, I mean, a lot of people that make excuses are using this as an even bigger excuse. I've been, I'm busier than I've ever been, even though I've been in quarantine. You guys, if you're doing social media, this is the cost of attention is the cheapest it'll ever be in your career right now. Right now, you have people <clears throat> that can't go coach your kids' soccer team, that can't go to the social events. They're not going out to dinner. Everybody's stuck inside. And you guys, on an individual level, you have a choice, Netflix or self-development, and how do I help myself and how, how do I work in my business? But because there's this concentration of people stuck at home, you have more tension on stuff that like on the internet, on YouTube, et cetera, than there's going to be it for a long time because they don't have as many options. So more attention is focused on On the, the second side of things. Someone like yourself, it's got a little course there, uh, which is kind of the belief that I believe is how the industry should be more small membership sites, small courses that can't hurt people, but can make their money through volume. Uh, you can run paid ads right now for the cheapest you will ever run. This is the cheapest cost of acquisition for a lead in your for your seller business, for any of your businesses that you're running. There's so much money being pulled off of every out of every business right now. The competition to buy marketing leads on the internet or pay-per-click leads, Google leads, paid Facebook ads, paid YouTube ads. You can buy ads probably for 20 cents, uh, 10, 20 cents on the dollar of what you're paying just six weeks ago. So right now your dollar will stretch farther. Um, you know, the other thing is like right now, guys, like we're, this could last a month, could last three months, could last six months. We don't really know. But what we do know is that every storm blows over, no, no storm lasts forever. And so we will get back to the point of where the business pace or the furious, the furious pace of business does pick up to where it's going to be again, that you're used to. So use this time to kind of catch up on some of those tasks that you normally don't do. Go do your accounting, go do your taxes, catch up on things that normally you put on the back burner on your normally daily daily business because you don't have time to get to them. I'd be getting to these right now so that when you do get back to the normal pace of business, you're not keeping putting those on the back burner. Go take a speed reading course, speed writing course, speed typing course, things that you could do to increase your income when things do pick up that you normally wouldn't slow down to do. So this is a time where you're not having the normal activities that you're already doing, so why not capitalize on it and use it as an opportunity? Definitely, 100%. So now with this whole coronavirus thing, I want to know, so what is your take on this market? I know you're not a, uh, don't have a crystal ball or anything, but how long do you foresee this? And how are you, if you're a real estate investor, which you are, how are you changing your marketing and your acquisitions part to get deals now? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a tough one. I mean, in the beginning, I thought this was just going to be like a pretty big non-issue. You know, I'm putting videos out, you know, guys, it's going to blow over. One, because I did, do think it's going to blow over faster than people think. I do think it's going to impact us more than we're probably thinking. Some people, I don't think it's going to be doomsday Armageddon. Um, your success throughout this is directly related to how you see it and how much energy you put in. I mean, I've got real estate agents in my team in you know, over half the country. I got agents there telling me they picked up two listings today, and I have other people calling me saying the world's over. That the, 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 Why not just throw in town, give up, and sleep in the corner and put, pull a blanket over their head? So it's the perspective of how you guys see this. Right now, you got to realize there's this many hours. I don't know if they're listening to this. I mean, there's think about there's a total allocated amount of energy and effort and dollars being spent in every single industry. Let's just take real estate just six weeks ago. This has been shocking a lot of people. People react off emotion. So a lot of people are pulling off, like you're saying, taking time off. That means there's less energy in the marketplace. There's less competition than there was. So those people that 10x, 100x their efforts right now are going to take opportunities that they couldn't have gotten otherwise because other people retracted. So I think people that double down, increase their efforts. You guys, if you do not work foreclosures and understand foreclosure laws and how to stop foreclosures, I'd be learning how to do that in your market. You'll see foreclosures pick up, REOs pick up, short sales will pick up, low equity deals will pick up. The ability to take over property step two is going to come back. Um, on the investing side, you're going to see people take lower lower offers for their houses right now because everybody, when they panic, just like you're seeing people panic and pull money out of stock market, people are going to do the same thing with the house they're selling. They're going to retract or they're trying to pull cash back in so they can hold it in the hand because when they have it, they feel better. So let's say they were trying to sell a house for 150. There's 50K in equity. They may dump it for 130 right now just to get to that 30K and, and just to feel like they got the problem off before things get worse. So you may be able to get properties at a deeper price. Owner financing, buying houses with owner financing direct to the seller is going to be able to pick up. Uh, if you're an investor right now, you should definitely be trying to trying to raise money. This is the best time you will ever have to raise money, even though people are like, right now people are holding on to it. But I think over the next month or two, you're going to see a lot of people look for a better investment because you just got to realize there's trillions of dollars been pulled out of the stock market 
that didn't just disappear into the clouds. Like they're sitting on this cash. They pulled their money off the blackjack table. They don't know if they want to put it back on. Once they put, once this fear blows over and the market turns back on and people start getting back to normal, the same fear that ripped that money out of the stock market is going to be the same fear that's going to put money back in because people are going to see it start going back up quickly. The fear of missing out on this big bounce back spring back up, which everybody knows is going to happen at some point. When it'll happen, we don't know. That's the question. Once that money starts going back in, we get on another up cycle for years, that money's staying in. So right now, this is your time to reach out and raise private capital to get to these uh, deals. Because if you can put some people's money in play and give them a safe return, uh, protected by a leveraged position on asset, you know you may have long-term lenders that you wouldn't have been able to get because their money was stuck in the stock market before. So I see it as an opportunity. If you find the opportunities, and I see it's going to take a lot of people out of business because they're going to figure out how to put themselves on the sidelines, self-induced. Definitely. I 100% agree with that. I mean, in my opinion, the biggest opportunities right now is short sales. Well, in the next couple of weeks is short sales, probates, and 100% creative finance. That is going to be the top one. You know, I'm more of a lease option type guy. I'm getting the sub twos, but the lease options, you know, we're, we're really good with the rent to own guys. That's why um, I actually have gotten... Today, I got two calls because before this whole market thing happened, I went to a couple of properties. The thing was worth 200. I offered him like 150 and the guy's like, no way. I'm like, but what if I was able to do that if you gave me something and blah, blah, blah. I, I almost tried to get it sub two. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they said no. And then they called me back today saying, okay, let's do it. I'll, t I'll take it with the five-year balloon. Let's do it. And now I'm like, well, this ain't going to work now. So I'm getting these crazy follow-ups now. Like everyone's wanting my, my creative finance stuff right now because it was at a stupid, crazy price. And I'm waiting now. You know, I mean, what's your opinion on doing creative finance sub two deals uh, virtually versus in person? Um, you know, I'm not really done too many virtual. Like I used to do virtual wholesaling years ago. Like, but, yeah. you know, right now, I mean, you can, you can tie up anything under an option contract, essentially. You can, I mean, like I bought, I mean, just seeing the photos of a property, you can get the basics. But before you close on something and take on the risk and overhead, uh, especially right now when potential iffiness is going on with tenants, you know, and like potentially not being able to evict people and getting forgivenesses and things like that, you want to be able to lock, you can lock properties up virtually, but I would go before you close on the property, inspect it, you know, uh, scope the pipes, you know, things I used to not do. I used to buy houses all the time without inspections. And then I had so many 15 K to, to, to deal with. Um, so like, it's worth it to do a thorough investigation. Like you can't, you can see enough to make an offer that you could get close to standing by or even stand by over photos. You, if you're good at running repairs, before you go to the closing table and sign the dotted line, go out there and check the HVAC. Actually go out there and, you know, look at these things because you can't see foundation cracks all the time. You can't see these things, but you can see the basic cosmetic repairs to know if this is worth energy to get in your car and drive out to the property, which is one of the worst things people do is they go out to properties all the time that are not worth buying anyways. Um, you know, so we, we do do sub two deals in Texas, uh, but not lease options for the most part. You know, like one of my good friends is John Jackson, King of Lease Options. Uh, we can't really do the sandwich lease option here in Texas like you guys can do down there, which I think is a great strategy right now. But um, you're going to have opportunities with acquiring houses uh, subject to the existing mortgage right uh, right now that are nice quality rental properties. Think about all the houses that were, uh, think about like if people bought a house in 2011, 2012, 2013, the marketplace has appreciated so much that if they get in trouble right now, they can dump it and get out and pull equity out. There's an equity position they can get out of it. All these people that bought houses that were brand new builds, builders are overbuilding in our market. Um, north of us. So like lots of houses that let's say they bought them in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, they may not have any equity in the house. These individuals are going to go through foreclosure. And if you come in and say, Hey, look, you know, I'll give you a thousand dollars, avoid the headache of having foreclosure, go on your record. They're not going to have a choice. And not only are you able to pick up properties, you're able to pick up nice quality, brand new properties that, you know, by the time you're, you're 50, those houses are going to be free and clear, even if they're put on 30 year mortgage right now. And you're going to have most people are buying like 1950, 1980 rentals right now. They're doing a burr strategy, fix and finance out. Most people are buying older properties. Right now is your chance to get nice quality real estate at a low interest rate um, and really kind of build a portfolio that, you could, that you'll be proud of having and not one that you're scared of having that's going to have long-term maintenance liability to it. Okay. 
So do you have a big portfolio of rental properties right now? No, not really. Um, okay. I, so I dumped off a lot of, um, actually it's good timing, not because I knew this was going to happen, but like I actually was clearing off a lot of uh, inventory um, over the past year and a half. Like I got rid of all my frame houses. I got rid of like all my uh, junky duplexes and things like that, that I like, I just knew. I'd, so like, you got to realize as you guys build your portfolio, you swell up, then you'll realize that properties that you thought were going to perform better are now prom properties. You can't keep them filled. And there's some things you can't really know until you have properties. So, so you see people swell up, they swell down a little bit and keep some quality ones and they swell up and they keep their quality ones. Eventually they have quality property. Now I do have notes. I carry notes on lots. I'm more, I'm more carrying paper on properties um, than I have rental properties, but I, I got out of a lot of my properties actually towards, I guess I started getting out of a lot of them at the end of 2018, going into 2019. I felt, I felt when they jumped interest rates at the end of the summer, like some of you guys remember, you felt the market kind of turn off back in 2018. That was one of the first, like kind of really like, that was the first time I've, I've ever had houses I was flipping have double price reductions. Like, I mean, I'm talking about from like for years straight, every house I put on the market, like five, six offers, day one, best and final. Okay. And that's if I took it. Then at the end of 2018, going into that fall, end of summer, in the fall, is the first time I was like, okay, we may be seeing something get a little bit tricky here. And then they jump rates up, then they dropped them again. The market turned back on. We had a strong summer last year, 2019. And I just kind of felt like I wanted to get out and get to a cash position on certain properties I didn't really like anyways that I just kind of bought because I bought them. So, um, but yeah, I probably, probably don't have as many uh, rentals as people would think I do um, right now. Okay, so you're not really seeing the big shift of rent, like, of just tenants not paying you then? Well, I mean, I have, I still, I mean, I still own property okay. for sure. And right now I only have one that isn't paying me. Um, and I got paid by pretty much everybody this month um, on my notes and my rentals. But I think this is going to be a lag. The impact hasn't really hit yet. That's what people don't realize. Like yeah. it's still kind of in the the you know, the honeymoon phase of this, I guess you could say this is so new and so fast and so aggressive and it's happened so quick. People don't really even know how to slow down what the, what to even really think about it, including myself, you know, like every, you know, people are changing their stance on it daily of what's happening, you know? So I think we're going to see a slowdown. The foreclosures right now, people can't make a payment. Some people are sitting on a few months reserves if they were smart. It's two, three months down the road from now where people that lost their job, most people can't live but one or two months on what they're making anyways because they live paycheck to paycheck. That's over half the country, maybe even two thirds of the country. I think you will see um, evictions, you know, these things pick up, but also it's like, what's going to go on with, you know, the, the uh, whole industry, you're seeing people being given the ability to not make car payments and house payments and certain banks and certain things are letting you roll payments to the back end. There's no, no ability in some markets to evict people it's going to get a little crazy. <clears throat> um, that's where it's like, this is so unique that most people really don't have a lot of people give you opinion, but it's, that's their opinion. Nobody has any clue what's actually going to happen. Even if they say they do, they, they're just guesstimating. Okay. So how are you shifting your investing business now then to, for the next year with this crazy market turmoil? Yeah. I mean, I'm, same thing I'm doing. I'm not closing on anything that's that won't cash flow if you have to get out of it. Like I wouldn't, guys, if you're flipping houses in the four or 500K price point, and if you have to do a cash out refi and they're negative cash flow, five, $700 a month, I'd be very careful. I'd be budgeting for longer carrying costs, uh, you know, longer days on market. I'd be buying a, buying a lot more conservative. So I'm staying under 250K, pretty much under 225. In my market, it's tough to get a house to cash flow the way that we need it with the relationship between the taxes and rent rates where they're at right now, where they're at today, is about the ceiling of where properties are that you can keep and they're actually beneficial for you to do so. Now, depending on how you look at it, like if you're taking properties over sub two and you're only bringing 5K to the table and you're getting $225 a month cash flow, then maybe that not, that's not that great cash flow. But what if you're getting a 2019 build, a 2018 build, and you only have 5,000 cash out pockets? So there's different ways to look at it. But like if you're gonna be doing, putting a bank loan on a property um, 
especially like the house flipper. Flippers are going to be the ones that are going to get in trouble right now. Builders, flippers, creative finance investors, this is going to be a big opportunity. You know, you will always like right now is going to be a big opportunity for you guys if you're doing creative, creative financing, but traditional fix and flips and traditional um, strategies are going to be a little bit more risky in my opinion. Just count, count, I would, before you close on a property, I wouldn't look at just the comps today. I'd be, I'd be like, I wouldn't just look at the comps. I'd be really aggressive on looking at how many houses are in the market in that subdivision. How many, how many are active? What's the days on market? And are these houses being price reduced? Because if you're going to flip a house, yeah, even though the comps say this, but you got 10 houses on the market and have all been price reduced twice, you're about to think about what's going to be here by the time the house is done going on the market. So start forecasting and kind of trying to vision out farther. Is this going to get worse before you just close on a property because it looks like there's a spread in it today because that 30, 40 K profit today could be zero by the time that house gets on the market. If things start selling less. Definitely. I mean, I'm where I'm at in Florida, we are heavily in the service industry. I don't know about Dallas, Fort Worth, but these tenants, I, it's going to get rough. I mean, I can already see some real estate agents that, they're giving me calls. I mean, I got some pretty strong buyers, but right now it's, it's, het, it's really crazy out there. So we're really shifting a lot of our business towards creative financing. Uh, we've actually did a couple land deals this week. Uh, so we're actually still making money into it. But I mean, what's the right way to underwrite a sub two deal? I mean, how much should you be making per month just to know it's comfortable enough to take down? Well, I mean, that's going to depend on the investor. I mean, some deals are... Mm-hmm. Some deals are worth doing it depending on what your plan is. Is your goal cash flow there or wealth tomorrow? You know, like, you know, depending on the age of the property, like if you can take over a 2018 build, you may break, you may break even or make a hundred dollars or may even lose a hundred dollars. But if that's a property that you will never get at that price point in that market in this exploding market, you need to start looking is you guys need to start thinking like, you know, this crash is going to happen again. Like if you're going to own a property for 30 years to retirement, you're going to ride through multiple crashes. Like you need to start thinking how to build wealth. If you don't need the cash flow today to live off of because you're flipping houses, you have a job, you need to start thinking if you can grab an asset that's a quality piece of real estate in a nice area, that's in a that's right by a hospital, right by a school, that's always going to be on demand. You may not need to cash flow it big. You may just want to use it as an equity play because you can pick up a property that you couldn't have gotten a bank loan for to own otherwise. So it's there's that's a very wide ranging uh, topic. We could probably go into a whole podcast podcast just on that. Um, Cause I only got like two minutes here. Um, but if that okay. makes sense, like, um, you know, tr- traditionally I want people to have properties that cash flow uh, $300 a month. You know, I'm not looking at things on the 1% rule. I'm looking after a debt service. I want to make a minimum of $300 cash flow on the property. Now that being said, if there's a huge equity position in it and I'm buying a house with a lot of equity, that's a complete, that can make, that can make a big difference. But if you're going to do a fix and finance that strategy, a burst strategy, you don't want to leave more than five or 10 grand in each property. If, if not pocketing a check after you close on, after you get out of it and you should be trying to have, you know, as little money tied up in that deal as possible with like $300 a month cash flow on a minimum side. Okay. So uh, I know you're really strapped for time here. So I got my one last question here, uh-huh. guys below is a link here uh, to visit investor army. Please follow me on YouTube. Give them a subscribe, everything. So real quick here. So if you were 17 again, uh, 20 years old, what would you do differently? And how would you do it if you had no money to become the next Colin Steinberg? Yeah, I, mean, Steinberg. yeah I would have uh, I would have not gone to college. I would not have wasted all that time. I would have gone straight into business. And I would just fail as fast as I could have, as many times as I could have. And by the time I was 25, I'd be done. Um, and I would have got into figuring out how to, I would have started working to only build passive income and only, equity instead of trading all my time for active income. I would have, you know, I spent, I made a lot of money on and off at points throughout my poker career, but that's all active. It all had to do with me. And it had, you know, if I couldn't work that day cause I was sick or I was tired, I would underperform. So I'd start thinking about how to, you know, work for multiple streams of income, work for equity, work for passive income, and do something that duplicates outside your personal success. I mean, even if it's duplicating through video marketing, like you're doing right now, once this video goes on the internet, it's a little video soldier that can drive traffic and business to your other businesses. I wouldn't be so concerned on the old thought process of you have to go to college to be successful. It's all bullshit. Uh, you know, it's yep. what you can put off. 
one of the most successful partners. Like I went to college, I got a business degree. I did nothing with it. I got a marketing degree and I don't remember anything I learned from college. And I think a lot of people are putting their kids in a bad position because they want to tell their friends, Hey, look how good of parents we were. Our kid went to college, but you just put your kid in a, in a financial trap for the rest of their life. And they can't make the money back on a 70 K year job, which is a good job. And they'll never pay this debt off. So I wouldn't be so concerned about feeling like you need to go to college. And if you guys are in college, your parents are probably going to hate me. Like you don't really need this. I would be joining network marketing companies to get skill sets to, to build a business. doesn't matter which one. I'm not pitching any of them. I think it's a great way to get in and be taught failure, how to get your face kicked in a little bit and how to build the communication skill sets. They're going to be taken into other businesses that will make you successful. Start going into sales, get your real estate license, figure out how to you know, do something that has low risk that you're going to fail a lot really quick so that later in your life, when you have these skills that you're going to hit when the opportunity shows up, most people are just not prepared when the opportunity show up because they didn't fail enough up until that point. So that when that opportunity does come, they can identify it and then capitalize on it by sprinting quickly at it. So I would just say, you know, do things that are, you know, get a license, go into network marketing, be figuring out real estate on the side and just fail as fast as you can. And don't even think of it like you're trying to make money. If you're building skill sets along the way, you're building, you're building your future business, whether you realize it or not. Cool. That's awesome. So I'm going to let you go. I know you got a pretty big meeting coming up now. So I really appreciate you coming on, Connor. Um, if there's anything you need, please always hit me up. Uh, follow him, Investor Army. Huge guy on YouTube. So, um, you can hop off here. I'm actually going to do a quick Q&A with the people here, but I really appreciate you coming on and uh, hopefully you can come back next year and we can uh, laugh about this little whole coronavirus situation. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah, guys, if you want to, uh, if you want to work with me, you know, obviously I run the national team, uh, HB Rudy, you guys reach out. Other than that, the social strategy mastermind I do with Mike Gerard, maybe get you uh, Mike on your podcast. Uh, we do a monthly mastermind call where we teach you guys how to build business and real estate, social media. Social Strategy Mastermind. There's my plugs. On that, man, I appreciate you having me on here. Uh, you know, I like what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, anything I can do to help, just let me know. On that, guys, I'll All see right. you. All cool. right. See you, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate, appreciate it. All right, guys. So it's just me here. So uh, I want you guys to comment below where you guys are from. Give me your questions. I really want to hear what's going on with you guys. I want to answer these live before I just hop off here because I'm stuck in quarantine, uh, you know, so um, just while this thing has a little delay going on right now, I just want to talk about some things here, why you get your questions together here. So uh, we got some people on here, which is great. So first of all, the number one opportunity in this market right now, just what he said, cash buyers. This is the time to connect with your cash buyers. Where do you think your cash buyers are right now? They're at home in quarantine on their couch, watching movies saying, I got cash in the sidelines, I'm waiting. And if you can build that connection now, definitely should. So some ways to actually find cash buyers right now is obviously you can actually go on your county site and look at cash transactions. If you have access to the MLS, I definitely would go on there, find cash transactions in that area and go after them. Some ways you can also find cash buyers is playing with the devil here is actually talking to realtors, going with them. You know, a lot of realtors have great cash buyers, so they would be someone I'd go after. Another great cash buyers places. Once you actually get a deal, you can stick out white bandit signs out. Obviously, now this coronavirus situation, don't do that, but that's something later. Uh, so second is, second huge opportunity we have now is probates. So probates are going to be big. They're big now, but they're going to be even bigger now because during a falling market, with these probates, usually what happened is, is the heirs get it. They said, let's just put on the market, real estate's going up. During a down market, uh, they need to sell the cash. You know, they the realtors aren't selling the properties right and you could actually help these people out really well. So the power of probates is very important. That's how Rick made so much money in 2010 and beyond there with probates. Probates actually goes on to our other one, which is the top one, which would be creative finance. That is definitely the biggest opportunity we have now. But the probates, the top probate deals that we actually have is in creative finance. So it is huge, guys. Another one is short sales. Short sales, if you guys don't know what that is, that is when something is owed way more than what the bank has it for. And it's a great opportunity. You're really going to have to get educated on that. Um, I can't really vouch and talk about it too much because Rick is really into it. I run more of the acquisitions side onto that. Uh, I don't really deal with the banks too much with it because I, to be honest, when I started in 2017, 
I didn't do too many short sales, maybe one to two, because the market was just riding high and up. There wasn't too many opportunities for that. Uh, some cool marketing strategies, though, to get the creative finance and the short sales, things like that, is you're not going to go after high equity mailers. Um, a, a thing you can do here is look at the questions. So uh, bandit signs are still my favorite to find these creative finance and short sale deals. Um, when people really need help, they'll call, they'll call the bandit sign. A lot of people are a lot more casual when they call the direct mail. So those are some of the biggest opportunities I find in this market now. I'm going to start trying to do more live with some technical difficulties. I found out it was a headphone issue with another thing popping up here. So I figured that out. So uh, these podcasts are going to start being live more. And I want to see what you guys think about that. So I'm actually going to look at the comments here while I'm popping up here. So excuse me. So we got six people on here right now, which pretty good. Uh, if there's zero people on there, I, that's what I was expecting. So that's six more than uh, I was liking. So uh, hey guys, seeing some great questions here. What's up guys? Hi, how's it going guys? Uh, I really appreciate you guys watching this. Uh, looks like we got no real estate related questions right now, but I really appreciate you guys coming on and looking at this. So let me see here, any more questions? So I'm gonna type this up here. All right, so D. Harrell, he asks me here, is the process any different for buying a property from an LLC that has been dissolved for 10 years than buying from an individual? So is the process any different from buying from an LLC? Um, so the cool part about that, D, uh, that's what I'm gonna call you here. <laughs> Sorry about that. But um, if you're buying from LLC that's been dissolved for 10 years, that's definitely a title issue. And that is something you need to go to the title company for. Again, I'll get Rick to actually uh, talk to you about that. If you hit me up on the Instagram, I can actually have Rick talk to you about that. He knows everything. But uh, usually if the corporation has been dissolved for a couple of years, you're dealing with an investor, uh, which could be a, honestly, just a mess. <laughs> Being honest here. But if the thing's been dissolved for 10 years, uh, there's really no difference. Go to the title company. They'll help it sort out. Make sure you have a good title company. I cannot stress this enough. If you have a title company that's not wholesaling friendly or real estate investing friendly, don't deal with them. They are literally a nightmare for you. They will ruin the deal for you. Find the right title company. And right now is the perfect time. Title companies are still open in my market. So you guys need to get the right title company. But I really appreciate that question. Um, any more questions here before I sign off here? I was hoping, hopefully trying to make this an hour, but uh, I've got more questions I can always pop off here and talk to more sellers, get some more deals. So uh, let me see here. Okay, so. All right, got EXP guy on here. Sweet. All right, so no more questions here. So um, I really appreciate you guys coming on here. Um, if you have any more questions, at Flip with Rick is the Instagram. That is where we're most active. We're always posting great stuff on there, some funny content and stuff like that. So hit us up on Instagram if you're interested. I know we talked about probates. Uh, check it out. Um, let me comment there right now. It's probaterick.com. Uh, no pressure. If that's something you're interested in getting into probates, check that out. You got coaching, stuff like that. Uh, but that is just a quick product we talked about. Uh, short sales. You know, short sales are going to be really weird right now. Banks are a lot really iffy. So you're really going to have to really look into everything here. But um, I really appreciate you guys uh, giving me love on this first live. So uh, any more questions, just hit me up on the Instagram, comment below here. We're going to get some more content coming at you as soon as I can. So with this quarantine uh, special treat for you guys, I'm going to be shooting videos and posting them with Rick three times a week versus the two times a week. So that schedule is going to be on Tuesdays. Thursdays and Saturdays. So those are the days where everything's going to be on here. So we're going to have the podcast. Most likely they're going to be on Thursdays weekly. And then Saturdays and Tuesdays, we're going to post some more videos on there. Um, I'm going to actually break down some land deals that we actually did. We're making money in this coronavirus, guys. You shouldn't be sitting around playing video games all day. It's, it's fun to play video games. But you guys really need to be getting deals right now. There's ways to get free deals, skip tracing. Um, a quick tip for you guys here, let me pop this up. 
the free skip tracing that I give some students that don't have much money is true people search. So bam, there's no excuse for you not to skip trace and cold call deals. Go to your code enforcement office while they're still open and get deals from there. Probates are free to pull. So guys, check it out. Flip with Rick, Zach Ginn signing out. I really appreciate you guys here. Feel blessed for you guys to really come on here and uh, support me here. But three times a week, podcast is still going strong. Um, if you need anything from me, just hit me up. So I appreciate it. Rick's going to be on the next live here. So uh, get excited, guys. So uh, Zach and Flip with Rick signing out. Appreciate you guys. Thanks.